In today's interview, we discuss emotional intelligence and personality profiles, a topic sure to increase your emotional intelligence, intra and interpersonal communication skills, and ultimate leadership ability. This episode is part one of a two-part interview with two guest experts, Lieutenant Colonel Megan Allison, U.S. Air Force retired, and Lieutenant Colonel Brandy Jeffries, U.S. Air Force. Here are a few clips from part one of the interview. Emotional intelligence is about one skill that can be developed over your lifetime, and you can do that through mentoring and coaching, taking an assessment, and then making positive impacts along the way. The extrovert and introvert dichotomy, I think the biggest myth about that particular dichotomy is that introverts are shy, and that's really not it at all. Welcome to the Air Force Judge Advocate General's Reporter Podcast, where we interview leaders, innovators, and influencers on the law, leadership, and best practices of the day. And now to your host from the Air Force Judge Advocate General School. Welcome to another episode from the Air Force Judge Advocate General School. I'm your host, Major Rick Hanrahan. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to our show today where we're going to discuss how to develop and improve your emotional intelligence, including how you can do this through a personality profile assessment. This is something that many of you have probably either done or heard about. We're going to take a deeper dive into this topic with two guest experts on the call today, including Lieutenant Colonel Megan Allison, United States Air Force retired, who is the current Deputy Director of the Air University Leadership Institute at Air Command Staff College, and Lieutenant Colonel Brandy Jeffries, United States Air Force, who currently acts as the Reserve Advisor to the Profession of Arms Center of Excellence and is an instructor in the Department of Leadership at Air University's Air Command Staff College. Ladies, thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you for having us. Yes, thanks so much. Happy to be here. Lieutenant Colonel Megan Allison, United States Air Force retired, serves as the Deputy Director of the Air University Leadership Institute with the Air Command Staff College at Maxwell Air Force Base. A command pilot with more than 3,000 hours, she served in various squadron group and wing positions flying the C-21A, C-17, MQ-1, MQ-9, and C-146. She commanded the 27th Special Operations Support Squadron at Cannon Air Force Base and served on the Strategic Command Staff. She is a 1998 graduate of the Reserve Officer Training Corps at the University of Virginia and holds two master's degrees in business administration and national security and strategic studies and is a graduate of the U.S. Navy's College of Naval Command and Staff. And our second guest expert today is Lieutenant Colonel Brandy Jeffries, who is the Reserve Advisor to the Profession of Arms Center for Excellence, or PACE, and an instructor in the Department of Leadership at Air University's Air Command Staff College. Lieutenant Colonel Jeffries is a Corps Manpower and Personnel Officer with extensive background in strategic planning and programming. She holds master's degrees from Grand Canyon University in Industrial and Organizational Psychology, Chapman University in Human Resource Management, Air University in Military Operation Art and Design, and a graduate certification from Chapman University in Organizational leadership. She is certified in the MBTI level one and two, which we're going to talk about a little bit today, and a graduate of Stanford's design school. Lieutenant Colonel Jeffries has served in various capacities over her last 20 years of service, including assignments within Air Mobility Command, Air Force Material Command, the Air Force Special Operations Command, 
Joint Special Operations Command, Air Force Reserve Command, Air Education and Training Command, and here at Air University. So ladies, with that backdrop, could you provide perhaps a little more background on your current positions and what you do? Sure. Um, as you as you mentioned, I'm the Deputy Director of Leadership Development. We have actually moved over to um, Air University's IRIS-C Acre Center for Leadership Development, and the division is charged with leading Air University's Quality Enhancement Plan, which is really focused on leadership and ethics across the continuum of learning, as well as creating a cohesive, coherent, and a deliberate approach to leadership development across Air University. I'm also certified in MBTI level one and two and emotional intelligence level one and two. And that was uh, Lieutenant Colonel um, Allison. Thank, thank you, ma'am. And hi, this is uh, Lieutenant Colonel Brandy Jeffries. So um, much like Megan, I am also currently assigned over at the uh, Acre Center. Um, I am nested under the Professional Arms Center of Excellence that recently relocated from um, Randolph Air Force Base to Maxwell Air Force Base back over the summer. Um, the capacity that I'm sitting in now, I'm actually uh, a full-time reservist in AGR um, that's sort of covering two fronts. So I'm, I'm writing and helping deliver leader development curriculum to the total force through PACE, um, as well as providing a direct linkage back to the uh, professional uh, Development Center back at um, the headquarters, Air Force Reserve Command. Well, thank you, ladies, for, for both of those introductions. Today's episode is on emotional intelligence and personality profiles. These are uh, two different topics, but closely related and important um, to understand how they work together. Emotional intelligence, or EI, has become somewhat of a buzzword uh, in the public. Many of our listeners have likely heard about emotional intelligence, and employers now often place a great deal of importance on their employees' EI, often even equal to or greater than their employees' IQ at times. For example, in a recent LinkedIn survey of 2,000 business leaders, the majority of them said the first skill they look for in an employee is their quote-unquote soft skills. Additionally, other studies show that as technology and artificial intelligence continue to grow, emotional intelligence will become even more important factor for the job applicant and career advancement. With that backdrop, what is emotional intelligence? Okay, in simplest terms, emotional intelligence is your ability to recognize and understand emotions. And then your skill at using this awareness to manage yourself and your relationships with others in a positive way. So it really consists of four areas. Self-awareness, so you're aware of what you're feeling. Self-management, I'm aware that I'm mad, but I'm not going to react in a negative way. Social awareness, oh, I'm aware that you're also mad. And then relationship management, since I realize we're both mad, then I'm going to do something different to manage this relationship. And that's really what it boils down to. And if I could ask, how did emotional intelligence come into being? Sure. So emotional intelligence is really not anything new. It's been thoroughly researched over the last 60 years and empirically demonstrated. It, it began with uh, Gary Lowe and Darwin Nelson, and, but it really became part of modern culture when Daniel Goleman published his book, Emotional Intelligence, back in 1995. And that book sold over 5 million copies. And it's important because the piece, it's that piece of the puzzle that was missing. Um, there was a, fine, a study that was done where 
people with average IQs were outperforming those with the highest IQs 70% of the time. And this anomaly was really throwing this wrench into what many people had always thought was the sole source of success, your IQ. And so EQ was the answer to that. Decades of research really point to emotional intelligence as the factor that sets star performers apart from the rest of the pack. And ma'am, when you mentioned how people were outperforming it, in what respect were they outperforming? Just in their job performance? Yes, it was job performance. They they did a study on uh, successful CEOs and they used different um, metrics in terms of business productivity, et cetera, et cetera, to determine who was what performing meant. Are people born with uh, certain levels of emotional intelligence? So yes, people have an, some people have a naturally higher or lower emotional intelligence, but it's actually the one skill that can be worked on. So unlike your IQ, which is the same at, at age five or the same as eight, at age 55, and your personality, which really is matured and kind of determined in your teens and 20s, emotional intelligence is that one skill that can be developed over your lifetime. And you can do that through mentoring and coaching, taking an assessment, and then making positive impacts along the way. And you mentioned kind of four factors that, that equal emotional intelligence. Uh, kind of with that in, in mind, what are indicators that somebody has high emotional intelligence? Okay, so like I mentioned earlier, EI really consists of self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, and relationship management. So those that have high EI are self-aware. They know their strengths and their weaknesses. They tend to pause. They control their thinking. Um, they learn from when they have an emotional hijacking. And we've all had one. It's when you're driving down the road and someone cuts in front of you and you do some things that maybe you wouldn't normally do. Um but those with high EI, they're honest, they're authentic, they show empathy, they apologize, they forgive, and they recognize how important emotions are. So many times we try to say, hey, let's let's box that up and, and put that elsewhere. It doesn't belong in the workplace. But um, those with high EI realize that that emotions are are just that. They're emotions. They happen, good or bad. And, and I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit here because we're, we're going to eventually get into stuff where we're going to talk about um, introverts and extroverts. But... It, do you see a difference um, with emotional intelligence between introverts and extroverts? That's an interesting question. It's not one that I have seen and know. Very introverted people can be extremely emotionally intelligent and vice versa. So I don't think it's necessarily um, that dichotomy playing out in emotional intelligence. And ma'am, you also mentioned uh, some of those effective ways that someone that, that people can work to enhance or improve their emotional intelligence. Have you found any of these to be better than others, or it, it just depends on how you approach approach those different uh, those means to to improve your emotional intelligence? So there are several assessments that can be taken to indicate your current emotional intelligence. They usually cost a fee, um, but then you, once you know, uh, you can then work on certain strategies to increase areas that you may be weak at. And having an accountability partner or a mentor or someone to check in and on how you're doing is a really important step in improving your emotional intelligence. Because just because I have a strategy with self-management, let's say, and I'm going to count to 10, you know, if my husband comes in and sets his hand on my shoulder when I'm about to blow up that, then I go, oh, okay, that's one way to do it. And this may, this is, um, this is Brandy. Uh, this, this may be jumping ahead a bit too, but I think this is really the connection between um, 
some of the other assessments that you can take, like the personality assessments that just give you a good baseline of the way that you approach the world in general, and then surrounding yourself with people who uh, might take different approaches um, so that you can kind of see the balance between the two. Great, great point there. Thank you. Thank you for that. Obviously, there, there's different ways you can one can work to improve or enhance their emotional intelligence. And, and one of those, maybe like you said, ma'am, is, is to get that foundation, that foundational baseline, such as taking a personality profile test. Uh, I'm sure many of our listeners have heard about personality profile tests and many have taken them, maybe even through the military. But even for our non-military listeners, I think this is a very common practice uh, you know, throughout uh, the corporate world as well. So if I could ask this, what exactly is a personality profile and, and why is it important? Yeah, sure. So this is um, Lieutenant Colonel Jeffries again hopping in. So personality assessments, um, I like to say that they're both fun and educational. Um, some of them are um, capture personality traits and they're things that are very measurable and some of them are more descriptive in nature. But from a leader development perspective, which is kind of where the two of us sit right now, they they basically help us sort to the core of who we are so that we have a better understanding of ourselves. And again, this is how it ties into that um, first skill of emotional intelligence uh, of self-awareness. And are there any tests that you have found to be more effective than others? Or I'm assuming there's pros and cons to, to, to all these different tests. Yeah, so there's really two different um, camps when it comes to assessing personality. You you kind of have your quantitative assessment field, and those are things that that are typically measured on a bell curve, um, and they show where different personality traits for an individual fall against normative behavior. Um, if you've ever heard of anyone talking about um, the Big Five or trait theory of personality or the five factor model. These are all trait-based assessments that are um, numeric in nature, and they measure how much of a trait someone has. Um, they're beneficial in some cases, um, even when you're looking at things like accessions or who to hire for the right um, kind of a job. The other camp is really the qualitative or descriptive um, type assessments. And these are the ones that for the purposes of, I think the conversations we have with leaders and just out and about uh, when we're doing some coaching and consulting type of work, I think these actually have a lot a greater benefit, if you will. These actually um, allow you to enter into a group discussion where people can practice introspection. They can practice a little bit of self-awareness. They can look at themselves to figure out sort of what makes them tick from a wiring perspective. And really the gold standard in industry uh, is the Myers-Briggs type indicator. Um, that's really sort of the gold standard on the qualitative side of the house. And, and man, before we jump into the Myers-Briggs, you mentioned something about you know how uh, we hire folks, whether that's in the military or the corporate world. That's, that's kind of interesting. I never thought of it that way. Is that being done anywhere where folks are you know, taking personality profile assessments or something else where they're trying to determine an individual's emotional intelligence in the hiring process? Absolutely. Um, the several of, of the big fortune, even 100 companies, I believe, are using qualitative type assessments just to kind of find the right fit for the right person. But I will say that the Army um, has been using this on the enlisted soldier accession side for a while. Uh, using an assessment called TAPAS, 
to, to basically give them a, a greater factor of where to place and you recruit into the army. Um, and they're, they're looking at it from a very strategic perspective in terms of retention. Uh, if you can place a person where they are going to have the greatest chance of not only success, but job satisfaction, uh, then why not use it to hire? So they, they actually run the ASVAB and this TAPAS to, to make that determination. That's fascinating, ma'am. I'm not very familiar with the TAPAS. Could you provide a little bit more background on that? So I'm not a TAPAS expert, but I will tell you that it is based on the five-factor model. So it's a trait-based assessment. It's, it's grounded in the, the big five factors. So it's happy to provide the listeners with links and things like that that you can post out with it. Yeah, it's it's something that they have dabbled around with. And I will say, too, even in some pockets of the Air Force, like on the Battlefield Airmen, um, a session side of the house, they've played with numbers as well to make certain predictions about um, airmen entering, for example, the PJ pipeline. What are they seeing through these assessments? I mean, have they had some time to kind of evaluate how well uh, those assessments have worked out post hiring? <laughs> Uh, well, not to my knowledge, but I will say that this is something that has to be looked at over a long period of time. I mean, if you're talking about retention numbers, you really have to kind of watch the numbers for, you know, 10 years or so to really know if it's making an impact. Ha- happy to do some additional research on that for you. Um, I am really not a trait specialist. I think both uh, Megan and I fall closer on the side of the MBTI and, and the typology piece of it. Yes, ma'am. So we'll, we'll move back into that. Just just was curious on that, on that piece. So uh, one of the tests uh, that many military members have taken uh, or folks have taken is uh, 16 personalities and obviously non-federal endorsement here. But could you offer a little bit of background on this particular test? Sure. Um, so this 16 personalities um, assessment is actually available for free online, which makes it accessible to our students and to a lot of the populations we go out and uh, work these types of assessments with. We tell people that it's an MBTI-like assessment um, in that it provides you a, a typology-based result. If you've taken it, you'll, you'll know that it provides you um, a five-letter indicator. The first four of those letters are very closely tied to Jungian's theory of personality. And they are the four dichotomies that the MBTI also assesses against. The reason that I believe we like this one is because there are no bad personality types um, when you look at this type of assessment. So there's, there's 16 total, and all of them have strengths. Um, they all have inherent weaknesses. And if you are talking about group dynamics or team dynamics, it really just gives you sort of a, a better understanding of, of everyone's, you know, where, where they're coming from, how they make decisions, how they process information, uh, why they may or may not be providing you work in what you would consider a timely fashion, things like that. So it just kind of helps better understand how people approach life in general. And if you know, ma'am, um, how do they come up with 16 personalities? It seems to be somewhat arbitrary. Is Was this just based on uh, lots and lots of research and, and kind of conducting studies over the years? 
So the 16 personalities um, are derived from the four pairs of opposites. So there's four different measures um, with typology. There's the extrovert versus introvert, sensing versus intuition, thinking, judging, I'm sorry, thinking and feeling, and then judging and perceiving. And so when you take those four combinations and you arrange them, you can, you come up with 16 possible arrangements of letters, if you will. So that that's where the 16 comes from. Megan, you want to add anything to that? No, I think you covered it. I think we're going to go through the pairs here, but she's exactly right. Yeah. Four dichotomies arranged in four different ways of 16. So that's, that's where 16 personalities comes from. Could um, one of you walk our listeners through kind of what those four pairs of opposites are, you know, provide a little bit of detail on the differences um, between, between them? Sure. And I, I think the, I think the uh, best way and potentially the most entertaining way for the listeners is for, is for uh, Megan and I to bounce this back and forth because when she and I take this assessment, with the exception of one dichotomy, we are complete opposites, which which is an awesome um, pairing for pe- for individuals who work together as long as you understand one another, which is why this is so important. The extrovert and introvert dichotomy, I think the biggest myth about that particular dichotomy is that introverts are shy. And that's really not it at all. This this dichotomy really has to do with how individuals receive energy. And I know that seems kind of cosmic, but if you think about walking into a room full of people and having to present maybe um, your extroverted folks who or your people who prefer the extrovert version over introversion, they're actually going to be energized by that, by the opportunity to do that. They're going to feed off of the crowd, if you will. They're going to get their energy from mingling and talking to many people. Your introverts on the other side, they, they're more of your reflective type. And while they will still have a great time socializing and they'll still rock the house giving a briefing, it can be draining for them. So they like to step back from the situation and have some time to reflect. And then they go right back to engaging. Um, it, it's really this energy-based approach and, again, really has nothing to do with uh, the level of shyness or, or not being shy someone has. Both Megan and I are extroverts, by the way. <laughs> I think my favorite comparison with um, extroverts and introverts is extroverts Extroverts talk, think, talk, where introverted preferences think, talk, think. So yes. um, your extroverted preferences are your interrupters who are, uh, you know, excited and, you know, yeah, when Brandy and I talk, we're interrupting each other the whole time as we get our ideas out, whereas... Um, my husband, who's an introverted preference, will will take a pause and I'll start talking and he'll go, I'm not done yet. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry, you paused. I thought you were done. So um, just one example there. It's fascinating insights. Uh, thank you. So moving on to the, the, the second pair, I think. So the S and the N preference, even though intuition starts with I, N is the um, the letter they use. And that's really how you take in information. And it's how you trust the information that you get. I am an S, and so I like facts. I like things to be concrete. I like details, data, and um, I like it in a step-by-step fashion. Whereas Brandy, if you want to talk about being an N, 
That's right. I I tend to be more of a big picture kind of a person. So um, because of that, my preference is to always look for patterns behind things, to try to make associations to where maybe something looked similar in a different domain that can be, you know, pulled to a different domain. And, and as to where Megan kind of likes the one, two, three, step by step, if if left to my own devices, I I look like sort of a bouncy ball that you throw into an empty room, I can ping sort of all over the place trying to develop the best idea. And it's always forward looking. Um, I like to tell people that, that Megan is my, she's going to keep me out of trouble with, if I have a question, she, she knows what instruction to point me toward. So she's my AFI girl. Um, if you need someone that can think long range and, and do strategic planning and, and ask for the waivers to the AFI, that's really more of your intuitive types. Yes, very much so. And I guess we should point out that isn't the, the breakout like 70-30. So most of the population is is sensing an S, um, whereas 30% of the population is that in preference. And uh an example I use for that is that it's a harder dichotomy to kind of get your head around. And I noticed it the most when teaching the leadership core curriculum in Air Command and Staff College. You know, I we get the books. I want to do the readings. I want to each reading that is assigned. And then I want to pull the main points out from there. Well, I had a student who was an in preference and she goes, I love that this overarching theme and how you have <laughs> thread that goes through all of the and I was like huh you know, I, I don't I don't think that way on a personal level you know my husband wants to talk about where we're heading in 10 years and I'm like what's for dinner tonight so it's a very <laughs> just a very different approach on taking in info absolutely my husband's an s2 and I'm an n and I'll have ideas and and when I talk to him about my ideas it's very much so vision oriented like this this thing is going to be wonderful because it's going to create, you know, X, Y, and Z. And he's looking at me almost like pulling a balloon down from the air going, okay, but tell me what you're going to do first to get there. <laughs> like, what's the first step? And uh, that, that's hard for me to do sometimes. I, I like to, I like to cast ideas and have no idea how I'm going to necessarily get there. That concludes part one of our interview on emotional intelligence and personality profiles with our two guest experts, Lieutenant Colonel Megan Allison, U.S. Air Force retired, and Lieutenant Colonel Brandy Jeffries, U.S. Air Force. Be sure to tune in to part two for the continuation of this interview, where we further explore the four pairs of opposites within the 16 personalities profile assessment and additional tips from our guest experts on how you can better understand your personality profile and ultimately increase your emotional intelligence. If you like this episode, please let us know with a review on Apple Podcasts. We'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Air Force Judge Advocate General's Reporter Podcast. You can find this episode, transcription, and show note, along with others, at reporter.dodlive.mil. We welcome your feedback. Please subscribe to our show on iTunes or Stitcher and leave a review. This helps us grow, innovate, and develop an even better JAG board. Until next time, nothing from this show or any others could be construed as legal advice. Please consult an attorney for any legal issue. Nothing from this show is endorsed by the federal government, Air Force, or any of its components. All content and opinions are those of our guests and hosts.
Thank you. <laughs>